The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, July 29th. Uh, may I suggest something? One, that you recommend this podcast to a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way, so we appreciate that. Two, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. If you listen to this podcast regularly, if you appreciate it, if you're one of the pick sixers or pick six pack or whatever else they call it, uh, go to youtube.com slash pick six and subscribe, even if you don't plan on watching it there, because it'll help us out. If you do plan on watching it there, guess what you can see? Pew, 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 pew. A Brady Quinn football show. Brady Quinn in the house. What's going on? Not much, Will. Look, uh, I've missed the uh, Pick 6 podcast. I've missed you, buddy. i missed all the super friends as well. Uh, I have been hearing some things, though. I have been hearing that, unfortunately, <laughs> this show has been going in a bad direction, my friend. So let me just say from the get-go of this show, I am here to bring hope, to bring optimism, because we're yeah. playing football, baby. Get ready for this season. They've got it all ready to go. College, NFL, we're going, all right? You can mark my words on that. Okay, so I don't think I've been scaring people so much as I've been maybe a little cooped up and perhaps uh, venting my concerns. Uh, one guy got mad at – he's like, how dare you? Anyway, I'm not going to dive, dive into that review. But I will say this. Um, I don't think I've been pessimistic. I think I've been realistic. Do you, I, I don't I, – I am not confident at all that college football is happening. I hope it does. No. Okay, here's, here, here's why I tell you I'm confident going to. Okay. Yeah, because they've they've been on campus since June. So think about this. We're just now talking about what happened with college football way back in June. They brought the guys on campus. They were doing workouts. Some places stopped. Some places continued to keep going. And some had battles with outbreaks of COVID, right? Well, they're all through that now. And so they've gotten through. They've built up antibodies. And they're moving forward with the plan. So you could actually make the case that they're ahead of where the NFL is because the NFL kept everyone separated and quarantined, and and now they're just now facing some of the reality that, yes, some of these guys are going to get COVID, um, and and some of them obviously are going to be, you know, impacted by it to a degree. But by and large, you know, they're going to be able to move through this season. They just have to have a plan for those who are impacted by it, whether they're asymptomatic or or worse. Uh, All right, so I'm – that makes me hopeful. I've been telling people that ask me, I get asked this a lot in my personal life. Yeah. See, see people at the pool. Like, What's the deal? Football season. Yeah. Are we have a football. Prince, you, you know yeah. everything. Football happening. I'm like, oh, first of all, I don't know anything. Like, like we're playing catch right now. Am I going to be able to play catch with Timmy <laughs> once I get in the football season? Cause I don't know what I'm going to do. First of all, my son has figured out this new trick where he's, he's like, like talking to somebody about football and like Robbie swims up from behind me. And he's got, he's really, he's surprisingly strong for his size. Uh, and that's he, not, that must be from AK. That's not from you. Yeah. 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 It's, it's from the milkman or something, but, um, he, uh, 
he slide, he'll, he'll fly, he'll get underneath and he'll just he'll rack, he'll like get my legs and just like flip me. And now I have to play along a little bit, but like then he'll drag right. me around the pool as I'm floating around. Yeah, play, play along. No, I mean, he, it's, he's got, he got me leveraged pretty good a couple of times, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't, I'm not confident about college football. I am, uh, John the Jones so, said so, here last week. So I'm 100% so, confident the NFL plays. It's yeah, tough. 100% confident in the NFL, but I'm also 100% confident in college football because if we really want to have a conversation about what's best for, and you can even make this case, by the way, for NFL players. But again, going back to the fact that they've already been on campus. There is no better place for college football players, probably most student athletes, than being at a university that is probably not going to have students on campus. They're going to be quarantined to that. It's not like there's stuff going on in some of these small college towns. Uh, It's not like bars are open or some of that stuff is open, right? And so they're going to be quarantined off from everyone else. And they're receiving nutrition, medical attention, the the strength staff. uh, Well, uh, um, sports psychology too. Like we act like this doesn't impact them from a, a mental health standpoint. Where else are they going to receive that? Like most of these, these players are better off being at campus and the university with their support group, as opposed to being at home where they're only going to potentially subject the loved ones or the people they're living with to the virus. And they might be getting in trouble by going out and so forth. So the idea that anyone wants to present to me that it's better for these guys to be quarantined at home is asinine and it's stupid. And it's one of the reasons why, again, like college football is going to play and the NFL is going to play. Are we going to have guys who test positive? Yeah. But this isn't, for the most part, an at-risk at group. For those who are at risk, I think they should either opt out, like they've been able to do in college football, or opt out, like, which they're able to do and, in some cases, incentivized to do in, in the NFL right now. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Because, <clears throat> you know, we saw um, – and I think this is something – this is why, you know, you're, you're a former player, former first-round pick. Played a, how many years you play? Eight, ten? In the eight. eight. eight? Well, look at yeah. me. I see. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, people ask, "Where's Brady? Where's Brady? Where's Brady?" I said, "I don't know." You know, like I, I, don't, I Brady's a tremendous. Oh, I, guy. I'll, I'll give you the answer. Uh, th- th- there's contractual obligations. I only have so many days, and because someone, uh, CBS, who, someone who will remain nameless because we don't like to name our coworkers on this podcast, someone screwed it up so badly that we didn't have Brady on here on a regular basis because this hypothetical person is too over eager and like Jan Brady's days for the summer through May and June. And we lost him for, for a stretch, but now we got him back. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's the reality. Nameless person. So, um, we saw, we saw a bunch of Patriots players opt out. Uh, okay. Let me ask you this. When you saw the Patriots, actually, before we get there, I'm a little ahead of myself, when we talk about the opt out. So if you're a high risk opt out, you can get yeah. a stipend, you know, so like star looked of the bills. Had heart issues coming into college. Um, right. uh, Maurice, uh, is it Maurice Hurst? Who was out of Michigan? Maurice Hurst. Yeah. Yeah. For the, remember yeah. he had the heart issue. So like, so somebody like that, if they wanted to opt out, they could get a $350,000 stipend with no offset. Uh, you get an accrued season, but your contract does toll just like it would for a opt for a, for a voluntary you, opt out. You don't get an accrued season is the best like, of my knowledge. Tolls, you don't get an accrued right. season. That's right. That's right. right. And the same thing, um, with the voluntary opt-outs, you would get a stipend. In other words, they don't want to just throw you to, you know, throw you in the streets because you're, you know, you're saying, listen, man, I, it's for my, right. um, right. but you will not get an accrued season. So you're losing one of the seasons you would play. That's kind of a tough spot to put players in, but guys are going to make choices based on, uh, their own decisions. So I'm curious about the Patriots to see six guys opt out almost at the same time. 
to me felt like Bill Belichick went to his team and said, listen, I will respect whatever it is you need to do. Some of you have different situations at home. Some of you have different personal medical situations. Do what you want to do, but I would love right. you guys to let me know as soon as possible because the Patriots now have a huge leg up in terms of salary cap space and knowing what needs they have for their roster to go after remaining free agents. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think it's a good theory. I think the other theory, though, is um, you know, you're reporting to training camp. Yeah. And so logically, today's the report date. And if you're going to report, but you're still on the fence, like, aren't you defeating the entire purpose, right? <laughs> you're going into a facility that's going to have all these people around, 80 people in some cases, maybe 90. And you're subjecting yourself to potentially getting the virus by doing this. What would be the point of doing that? So, like, if you're going to opt out, I know they pushed the dates August, what, August 1st. Yeah. And they, they're talking about maybe delaying it even further. It's like, why? Like, if you're going to show up for a training camp, and, and, and mind you, they're not getting paid yet. Like you don't get paid till you actually start playing right. games. You make the team, and so why why would you need to bump it back? Like well, I think I was I was I was just I mean not to interrupt you, but just I mean to interrupt you, yes. But actually, the the argument would be the same as like so like we have this we have this deadline of today actually to sign up for virtual school for the fall semester sure. of elementary school, and it's either you know one it's either Plan B or virtual, whatever it is. Right. Like the further back they push that deadline, the happier I am personally, because I, the, the more knowledge I think you have about what is happening. Now it's more than likely not going to make a difference in our decision, but I guess that's the argument. It's like, eh, you know, if, if I'm opting, cause you're losing a ton of money by not playing. Like if somebody, sure. if you opt sure. out and somebody pops up with a vaccine, can you opt back in? No. And, and that's part of the issue, right? Is you got to make a decision by this point in time. Now, is there going to be a vaccination by, right. let's say they push it back a week or two? Oh. Of course not. At, at earliest, I think Oxford group had talked about having one by September. I think that was even a little bit uh, advantageous uh, thinking on, on their part. So we're not going to have a vaccine by then. Right. Uh, and again, to go back to like, we're finding more information again, what's going to change in seven days, 10 days, two weeks. Nothing. Oh, the, the so, NFLPA will sign their agreement, but nothing will change, right? Right. But, but all I'm saying is, is like nothing's going to change as far as the conditions that they're working under, that they're going to be within. You're really only subjecting yourself and your family to the potential of getting the virus and yourself to injury risk. Like you're there practicing and running around doing different things. What is the point of that? Like I think any player who waits, it's like, well, you reported a camp and you got tested and you figured out you – probably were negative at this point because if you were positive you'd be quarantined and you know at that point i'm not sure uh, maybe you can opt out maybe you can't but again it doesn't make sense to wait until that particular date so i think it's one of the reasons why you probably saw a lot of guys on the actual date in which they have to report to camp because i'm not gonna like knowing what's in the cba i'm not gonna go in and subject my family and everyone to a potential risk if i'm on the fence about it like i'm gonna make a decision say okay I'm not going to go. I don't want to have to live for the rest of the season based on the rules that they're putting forth. Or, you know, I've got a family member I'm concerned by. I mean, look, that's Marcus Cannon had an existing, pre-existing medical condition. He was one of the players who opted out. Um, Dante Hightower just had a baby. Marcus Marcus Cannon, not Marcus Kennedy, right? Marcus Cannon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a Marcus – Oh, no, it's Maurice. Maurice Kennedy. He's a a cornerback, played played at Virginia. By the way. Yeah, sorry, totally. I was just making sure. I, yeah, Mark. Well, so so let, let me quickly just go through case by case, and, and I think the different. No, I have a question for you. Would you play this? One hundred percent would play. One hundred percent would play. And you have, you have no reservations. You have three young daughters at home. 
Right, three under four, which you know they're not at the in the at risk category. Oh, so, but, I mean, um, it's it is something that you would. I mean, like it is something that would go into your risk reward weighting of it. Uh sure, and and it was something that I'd factor in. But again, you know, looking at the numbers, <laughs> no, looking at the data. <laughs> no, well, yeah, because no, I look, again, I I I I think if you're getting tested every single day, you know, you you'd be at the peace of mind of knowing at least initially, and then depending on how they test throughout the course of it whether or not you're going to be at risk. So I don't have any reservations. I'd go do it. Okay. But every player is going to have their own way of doing it, right? Marcus Cannon had a previous medical condition, much like you talked about with Star Latulolite. So it makes sense why he'd want to opt out and not take on that risk. Um, you've got Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung. Chung, who, you know, again, and, and Hightower, both family situations that they're concerned by. And it could be a kid. It could be a relative. It could be their wife. Their wife could be the one pushing them, saying, I don't want you Absolutely. to go because I don't want to be subjected to that. Now, in the case of Danny Vitale, Najee Torin, who was on a futures contract, Brandon Bolden, you know, those three guys, it's all interesting. And even Hightower to a degree, because he was going to the last year of his contract. And I, and I do wonder that if I was a player who I felt like, I don't know if I'm going to make the roster. I don't have preseason games to showcase myself. I don't have the opportunity to prove it in a preseason game. And like for Brandon Bolden, look at the running back group. I mean, you've got James yeah. White, Rex Burkhead. They just drafted Damian Harris. They've, they've got a kid who's a college free agent that I love in JJ Taylor who may potentially could make the roster. Um, and if I'm Dan Vitale, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if Tom Brady was here, we're going to use a fullback a lot. If Tom Brady's not here, I don't, I don't see Cam Newton being our center a bunch, probably in shotgun, probably with one running back. I, I'm, if I'm playing, it's probably because we're in goal line, short yardage, special teams. Like maybe that's a decision that if Cam Newton's your guy, you're not going with a fullback as much anymore because your quarterback can run. So your tailback becomes that fullback now on that lead blocker in most of your personnel sets and most of your formations. So, you know, in some of the cases, I, I do wonder if maybe they're getting advice from their agent or maybe they're looking at it saying, I can get 150K now because that's the minimum they'll get by opting out if they don't have a pre-existing medical condition. And then I can kick the can down the road to where they have to make that decision if they want to cut me a year from now. And it's not, it's not going to hurt me in any way outside of not getting an accrued season, but I'll get a six-figure payout. Because think about it. Let's say, for example, this is Brandon Bolden's last year. If, he's not going to make that 150K if he goes and plays and gets cut, right? And he doesn't make a roster the rest of this year. Now, that's a plan of gamble to risk, but you're still taking on that risk next year. The difference is you at least had 150K from it, and then you, you try to find out whether or not you're going to make that roster next year. Sure. But wouldn't you, but wouldn't you want to try to, to go into a season where if you felt like you were one of those guys who was on the edge, you had the chance for an offseason either to get cut and then join another team to prepare yourself or even a preseason to play games yeah. and everything else. So there's a lot of individual decisions that will be made, but I do think there are going to be a few players who say, yeah, I'll take the 150K now because I don't know if I was going to make the roster anyway. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Or it's like, you know, you have X, like, you're like, you're like, I know, I think I'm getting cut. Like, I'm going to hang around. Like, I'm not, you know, like, I'm, you know, cause you could, I mean, you could get cut and just not, just not sign. Like, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were due money. You no, know, 100%. Like, yeah. the expectation is that we're going to bring in a guy that gets cut, right? And that, like, oh, well, he'll be a free agent, so some of the team will sign him. Maybe, maybe not, because they've got all these guys who are in training camp with them that know their system maybe better than you. And then on top of that, they don't have maybe any preseason game to go off of, right? Yeah. And, and as of right now, we don't know if they're doing tryouts. So, you know, because of that, it then limits maybe the talent pool that you can tap into if you're a team that gets hit by COVID or you have a, a slew of injuries. Okay. Uh, what about when – so 
What do you think this does for the Patriots? Just to stick with them real quickly. What do you think this does for the Patriots in 2020? Because, I mean, Hightower and Chung are, are, I mean, it's not like Stephon Gilmore and Cam Newton, but I mean, they're, I mean, they're pretty big players on that defense. Let's not forget though, too, they did draft Kyle Duggar in the second round. Yep. And Kyle Duggar was made to be, you know, the, the lower division football player that Isaiah Simmons was at Clemson. Yeah. Um, and so we don't even know. No, Patrick Chung necessarily, You've been to Hickory, right. North Carolina? No, I've not, but it's, I, I, yeah, bet, got, I bet they've got, got, got some. Got a lot of furniture. There's a brewery there. Some, uh, massive. I was just going to say, I, I bet they've got some, some great local IPAs. Uh, um, they have a, uh, it's old Hickory Brewing from there. It's actually fantastic. There you go. There you go. Used with real wood, real Hickory when we, uh, when we brew our beer. Um, we, we burn our wood down and shove it into a stout and then press it up nice for you. That's right. And we beat the guy with the hickory stick while he's making it, just to make sure we get every bit of hickory into our beer. Uh, I'm sorry. That's probably offensive to people who are from hickory. Um, I, I, I do a terrible did, Southern impression. It's fine. You did a good job. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, was- so anyway, the, the, so, so my thing is, look, Chung signed a new contract. He was going to be a starter, we assume. Uh, but, but there's no saying that Duggar couldn't potentially overtake that spot. Um, and then you look at Hightower. I mean, Hightower is the one to me that stands out that's been a staple there. I would have a hard time believing Josh Uche is going to slide into that spot or Anthony Jennings, their third round pick from Bama. Not really the same player. Um, they're b- both virtual. I think Uche would more fit that spot. Um, but you know, it, it, there's, it's not to say they have a year left on his deal. You know, who knows? We, we see Patriots make some surprising vet cuts. Cannon's the one that's interesting and I think could hurt him because you don't have Dante Scarnecchia, their offensive line coach there anymore. And it's not like they drafted an offensive lineman early. A lot of the guys they took, I think, are maybe more developmental guys or guys that they're going to have to kind of, you know, coach up here on the fly. So uh, that one could hurt them the most, uh, especially with the new quarterback instead of more or Newton for that matter. Okay. Um, of the other opt-outs, and by the way, we have a uh, Josh Edwards, who's been on the show a bunch, who's doing a uh, team-by-team opt-out tracker. Not of something – of course, yeah. I mean, like I mean, we did franchise. I mean, we've been doing trackers for years, free, you know, free agency, franchise tag, whatever. I mean, I never thought we'd be in an opt-out tracker world, but here we are. Um, I'm going to give you some names. To, uh, you know, run th- name name one that matters or, or two that matter. Uh, whatever you think, you can yell at me in the middle. I'll, I'll give you the one right now that sticks out the most. Eddie Goldman. Before you, no. Huh. Michael Pierce. That that hurts the Vikings defense. It was a big yeah. signing for them. Uh, I think, you know, they need that for the interior of their defensive line. Like, look at the Buffalo Bills with Starlo Tulele, for example, right? They they brought in Vernon Butler, who was a former first-round pick. He knows Sean McDermott's scheme. So they've got a guy to kind of – Starlo Tulele. Starlo Tulele, yeah. Yeah, so so they've got a kind of guy to fill in for that void. Uh, Goldman's a loss, but I think Pierce, as far as, you know, where the Vikings are at, their defense took a step back last year. Uh, he, to me, uh, was a huge piece, a huge signing, where you kind of felt like, okay, Help solidify that group and, and have forced them to be better on first and second down. They're in third and longer, which would help out their secondary struggle last year. So he's the one right now that I look at and probably won't get talked about enough, but yeah. that's a big, that, that's a big blow for the Vikings, in my opinion. Other notable names, um, opting out, uh, Laurent Duvarney Tardif. Laurent Duvarney Tardif. Uh, did you, you I think he's yes. like a non French Canadian, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right, that's, I'll yeah. give it to you. Um, well, I'm like, Which, Art Canada Tardy. <laughs> um, 
it is notable that the only medical professional in the sport is like, no, I'm good. I gotta go. No, 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 no. But, but I so that's not and, and do his Hippocratic oath thing. Right. Yeah. And I talked to, uh, Dr. Myron, who's now a medical student at, at uh, Harvard and friend of, friend of the podcast, Myron Roll is on the podcast. Friend, friend of the podcast has been on the podcast. Had a chance to speak with him and he echoed a very similar sentiment. Like not many of these NFL players are going to have the chance to be a doctor and help out. But if you could, you would, right? Like you, you'd gr- gladly take the 150K and say, I'll push it off for a year. This is more important. I've been already treating this. I want to go back to helping and treating this. It, you know, if you had the ability to, I think you'd probably feel a little bit selfish or maybe a little bit wrong staying to play a game when you've got people that you can help from potentially save them from dying. So well, it's, and, it's more understandable. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, the whole, like if you're the type of person who went out and became a doctor when you were also a professional football player, you're probably not going to be like when you start, like, you know, you do like the, um, the, the, the decision, the, like you, you can plug in like different, I'm trying to think of what it's called. I've never used one before. I used one for school, but it's a, it's like a, it's like an Excel sheet that helps you weight your decision making. It's a matrix, yeah. a decision matrix. When you're, if you're, yeah. if you're Laurent or Myron, you're not exactly weighing like, income as a huge factor like it's a much right. bigger deal to you you're not worried about making five million this year versus it's, i mean it matters it, it's way more concerned about helping people if you went out and became a doctor in the middle of being a football player it's a moral decision it's exactly. moral or it's or it's ethical in that degree and, and i do think uh, in both their cases you know i think they've, they've demonstrated that because because even in the case of myron roll you know he's looking to be a neurologist and, and he, instead he's kind of left where he was uh i believe in his residency to actually go help. And so he, he's kind of, you know, stopped I think necessarily. I think, I think he's, I think the hospital he was at, and he may be helping somewhere else now, but the hospital. He's he a mass, at, he's at mass general. Yeah. It was overwhelmed early on when the Northeast is getting peppered. So I don't know where it's at now, but, um, uh, but I'm told that it's a good time to take a break. So, uh, we'll, we'll break. And when we come back, we will talk about more matters related to football. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track, all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Ensure you can take on any adventure available H track, all wheel drives. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud standard third row seating. So your whole family can experience the thrill together available dual wireless charging pads. So no one gets stuck in the great outdoors, with the dead phone, whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip. Maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so we talked about all the guys who opted out. What about this all, but what about this all season, Brady? Because we haven't really, 
I mean, you and I, we, we talk, we text, good friends. Yeah. Um, FaceTime. But, yeah. We, have we FaceTimed? We send voice notes every once in a while. Yes. You, know? you do. I, yeah. I do. You're the only person I send voice notes with, which is hilarious. Well, you because with, here, you I, to a lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah. Because I'm on the front edge of, of where everyone eventually will be. So if you look at like, for example, text messages, I was trying to send text messages back in college. Like really? I saw text messages on my phone. And it was back when you had to like punch in, you know, you had to hit. You like use the QWERTY keypad, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember trying to send it back then. People were like, "What are you doing? What is this?" I'm like, "It's an alternate form of email, but you get on your phone." And people were like, "Oh, I, I don't want to do that." And then yeah. now it's like what everyone does. Yeah. I've gotten rid of voicemail. Voicemail is the most obsolete thing ever. Okay, you're gonna call me, and, and, and I'm gonna see you at a missed call, right? We all have caller ID on our phones. I hate voicemail. And then, well, because it doesn't make any sense. And so then someone's going to leave a message telling you to call them back. They could text message you. So if you're inundated, you could see what they want and you can respond back that very moment or you can respond, hey, I'll call you later. But I don't need to waste time to then go call my voicemail or listen to a voicemail you left to then call you back or I get information sooner via text message. So what does voice note accomplish? Voice notes allow you to immediately respond back and leave a voice note message much like you're doing with voicemail. It's just a faster way of doing it. Very similar to text messages. So eventually people will get there. They're just not there yet. Okay. I'm down for it. But I've, I've told my parents, I've told my mom, I'm like, mom, don't, don't leave a voicemail. I won't check it. If I see I've missed your call, I will call you back. But, but you, you know what you will check? Text message. A voice note. Or yeah. Or and the, a voice note. But, but the voice note shows up in the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Cause you're already there. You're yeah. already there. If I got a voice you note. You understand, you understand it. Mm, yeah. That's a good point. Like if my mom sends me a text, I was like, Hey, will you please call me? And my dad's bad about this. He sends him. He's like, can you call me when you get a second? And you're like, Oh my God, Lee's dead. And my grandmother was like, my grandmother's dead. That's gotta be it. I call him. He's like, uh, do you, do you have the recipe for those uh, meatball? It's like, what, what, why would you send me like, the, can you call me in a second? Take, like take, take this for example, like here, will Coors Light called, they want their hat back. See, I just, I just sent you a voicemail, but now it's in text messages as a voice note. Yeah. Um, and, and there, I just got that right there on, uh, shut up. Yeah. Attach it. One audio file. Uh, what was, oh my God. What was I going to say? Um, this is what the show oh, is known no, no, for. I know, I know, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. So my mother-in-law loves to call. Like she calls her husband. Wonderful lady, by the way. Every time we talk, you tell me how much you love your mother-in-law. So love you're a good son-in-law. Love her, love her. Uh, but she loves, she calls my wife multiple times per day. She calls her husband. A substantial number of times per day, which is not unusual. Really? Yeah. That's just, unusual. I, yeah, that's unusual to me. Well, for our generation, but for their generation, they call. Like she's she doesn't she doesn't work. So she, anyway, she calls them a lot. But you know, on the iPhone, you have the automated like responses. You know what I'm yeah. saying? If somebody calls, it pops up four automated responses. Yeah. You, you have custom. Them. Yeah. Yes, but right, and I custom send like, hey, I'm podcasting. I'll, see, I'll talk to you in a minute. One day we saw her text message thread with Carrie, who's my stepfather-in-law. And it is literally 42 in a row. I can't talk right now. So like she'll call him just, um, just like, I can't talk right now. She'll call him. I can't talk right now. And it's like, they don't text. They call and they talk on the phone. So their text message thread is just boom, 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 boom. I can't talk right now over and over and over again. And I, I laugh about it like crazy every time I think about it. That poor, that poor lady. I mean, look, there, there's something poor, to, poor 
yeah. hearing someone's voice, the tone in which they speak with everyone's more respectful. Well time. Yeah. Everyone's more respectful when they talk, you know, outside of leaving voice notes. I, that's right. Yeah. When you're talking trash about the hat I'm wearing, uh, cause I decided not to shower after like tennis this afternoon. Anyway, how does this, uh, you were, you drafted in 08. Is that right? 07. 07. Okay. So you were in your physical prime at the 2011 lockout. Yeah. If you were in the middle of your career in the 2011 lockout, how does all of this compare at all, if it does, to the 2011 lockout? No, it compares in the sense that, um, you know, you had to do everything on your own, you know, a lot, a lot of times. And then you try to try to do things as much as you could as a, as a team. Uh, and so for us in 2011, you know, once the lockout hit, we had a new coach. Uh, our offensive system was going to stay the same with my boy. Um, but, you know, we ended up, ironically enough, uh, you know, contracting Lauren Landau, who's now the current strength coach in Denver, uh, to, to work us out at Valor Christian. Valor Christian is well known there in, in part because Christian McCaffrey had played there. Uh, and Ed, Ed McCaffrey does a camp there. So that's where we would practice because we couldn't go to the facility. We couldn't work out. And so we'd go work out there. Uh, we'd go through uh, running drills and so forth and conditioning. And then we'd go through our own individual drills. And so I would bring in the installs uh, at that time. Uh, Adam Gase was our quarterback coach. So I'd pop on over to Goose's house and I'd go pick yeah. up whatever install, whatever install we were missing out on, which, you know, in retrospect was 100% illegal. But uh, it, it was what it was. You know, I was trying to compete for a job. And, and obviously, uh, you know, Orton thought he was getting traded. And, and Tim, you know, was kind of hitting this if, if he was going to be there. So I tried to take my opportunity to, to be there and lead those guys. But um, Brian Dawkins, I think, fronted the bill for it. And then Chris Cooper and I kind of led the offense. Dawkins had the defense. And that's how we went about doing it. And, look, we ended up, you know, winning, going 8-8, eight and eight, winning the division via tie and going into the playoffs. But I, I do think that summer kind of helped galvanize our team. You know, we were drastically different than what I saw the year before when Josh McDaniels got fired and Eric Sudisfield took, took over, there was a lot of fracturing and guys kind of going their own way. Um, we could have done that in 2011. And I don't think we did because we were much closer as a group. We were, we were training, you know, together on our own. No one was forcing us to be there. We we're holding each other accountable. And, and that's what I think you're going to see from this season. The, the teams that, whether it's Tampa Bay with Tom Brady and that was well, you know, documented or, some of the other teams that maybe haven't showcased themselves much, but have been working out together, training together. I think they're the ones that are going to hit the ground running and they're not going to go through the growing pains or issues adjusting to the season. So with that in mind, who would you, I think we talked about this a little bit, but like, I think the saints. Saints are one. The um, Ravens, the chiefs, obviously. And, the, and these are the top favorites. So that's, that's kind of interesting too, from that perspective, because there's a chance that those teams start out hot and it's just a top heavy season, you know, <clears throat> which, which the AFC has, as you know, traditionally been that, right? Like if we were going to pick two teams right now, regardless of the off season or not, it'd be Kansas city and Baltimore. All right. And then, then, then you're kind of looking for, okay, who else? Uh, I think this year is going to be interesting because the teams that have continuity of system and of personnel are probably going to be the ones that benefit the most. Now that doesn't throw Tampa Bay into that mix, right? You've got Tom Brady who's coming in. However, you know, Bruce Arians is making Tom Brady adjust to their system. It's everyone else that's going to know this system and work with the system. So, you know, they'll go as far as he can go and, and as far as, you know, he can handle with, with how much they want to put on his plate in this new system. Right. So I actually think that'll bode well for them. Uh, you look at Seattle, for example. I mean, come on, the addition of Jamal Adams, he's a perfect fit now for that team. You know, what Russell's you there. About, uh, what do you think about Jamal Adams lighting Goose up 
in the press and then getting traded 24 hours later. You know, and, and Woody Johnson, you know, and, and I think but both I mean, those Woody things. Woody Johnson probably deserves to be, I didn't even see what he said, but Woody Johnson has done a comical job as an NFL owner. Well, he hasn't even been there the past few years, right? I mean, he's been an ambassador to the UK. He's an ambassador to the UK to to make him look good. Maybe they're better off than I. Who knows? But but the point is, I think Jamal Adams had to go nuclear and do what he did in order to get out. Like Joe Douglas saying, well, if he didn't say anything publicly, you know, know, it didn't matter. Of course it mattered. Like (laughs) he basically drew a line, went ahead and river jump skipped across it and said – I'm going to bash our head coach and our, and our president, and I'm going to force my way out. And he leveraged that into an opportunity. The, the Jets got a great deal out of it, and the, and the Seahawks get a player who I think is a perfect fit for what they do. And so I think it's going to work for both parties. Well, um, and, but, but I'm curious. So Prisco, Pete Prisco thinks, and I, I disagree with him. I should have pushed back a little bit harder, but it, we were late in the podcast when I did it. Um, yesterday's podcast is worth listening to. He thinks that Jamal Adams will be Cam Chancellor. To me – I think there's a better chance that he can – I think he can be closer to Earl Thomas. I'm not saying he will be Earl Thomas, but I think – you don't think he has more range or more like – No. Okay. All right. He Well, I mean, for starters, just when you look at the way that setup is of that team now, they're really trying to assemble the pieces of what they have with the Legion of Boom. Right. So they're trying to figure out cornerbacks that can be locked down quarterbacks. Shaq, Shaq Griffin's one of those, right? They feel confident in him. You know, they're, they're now – I mean, if Quentin Dunbar plays too – he could kind of play that, you know, Byron Maxwell, whoever else, but, you know, I'm not sure if you followed that situation, but, you know, if that what's true of, no, and if what's true of what's being alleged happened, it's awful. And then the other issue is the attorney that's involved in the whole thing and the whole quote unquote alleged payoff. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but stuff off the field aside, he had a really good season last year in Washington. Great he could be a really good addition if he can play. And then Jamal Adams would be the guy who plays more in the box. And really more so than that. And the reason why I say he's not going to be Earl Thomas will be Cam Chancellor is look what the Cardinals did in the draft. They drafted a guy in Isaiah Simmons who could match up with George Kittle. Yep. George Kittle's the, the mismatch that every team in that division is trying to figure okay. out. In the All right. Maybe, maybe Earl Thomas is a, maybe saying he'll be more like Earl well, Thomas, for example. If, 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 I think like he's yeah, gonna, you're trying to cover yourself. No, no, just let me finish. Okay. So if you want to figure out how to win the division, you have to figure out your biggest mismatch. Sure. And that's what the team that won it. And that's with Kittle. And so Jamal Adams, I think, provides them now the opportunity to be able to match up with him for years to come as, as Kittle's probably about ready to ink a long-term extension at some point here soon. All right. Well, I guess what I was saying is that I think people assume that Jamal Adams is going to come in and be like a de facto linebacker who occasionally blitzes the passer. He's more than that. He's a better player than that. Like he can cover Kittle. He can get with George Kittle in coverage. I'm not saying he's yeah, going I mean, to look so, so, so good. Cam Chancellor. I think Cam got that reputation because of how hard he hit and how big he was. You know, Jamal's not as big, but he hits hard. Hits and the hard. other thing is, is look, if he's, if they're playing that scheme, he's going to be down in the box often. You know, sure. it's not all the time, but you know, you want to play with your strengths. And if you have cornerbacks who can lock down guys on the outside and you've got a, a middle of the field defender that you feel like has good range, why would you waste Jamal Adams back there? You might do it from time to time to break tendencies, but you don't want to do it too much. Yeah. I, I, I guess maybe my phrasing is wrong when I say that he'll be like Earl Thomas. I just feel like he's a little more diverse and athletic than, and I'm, I'm not dogging Cam. Cam Chancellor was awesome, but I feel like yeah. people, people paint Cam Chancellor as a one trick pony. Whereas it was just what he was asked to do within that scheme. Okay. And he executed it really, really well. Sure. He set the tone. I mean, that 2013 Broncos team, I mean, in the Super Bowl, he lit Demarius I, Thomas I, up I, as hard as I've ever seen anybody get lit up. 
he hit, and I still to this day because I'm close with Eric Winston. I was watching film of Winston pulling back when he played tackle for the Cardinals. And Cam Chancellor was the, the force defender. So the force defender's job is to set the edge. He can't let anyone get outside of him. Right. And as Winston pulls, I watch Cam Chancellor uncork on him on like Eric, you've never seen dude. before. Yeah. Who's a huge human being. Yeah. And I literally texted Eric, sent him the video. Sometimes I was like, how'd that feel? And he's like, not great. And he's like, could you believe that's a safety? And, and, and like literally Cam Chancellor had the uncanny ability for a guy, by the way, who played quarterback at Virginia Tech before he switched to defense to absolutely unload on people. It was, he's, it was ridiculous. Okay. So yeah, I agree. The Seahawks are a team. You had Jamal adding Jamal Adams is not going to disrupt their continuity. That's a team. Well, by the way, so let's talk about the draft picks. What does it matter? They didn't even have a first round pick from like 2013 to 2015. They're picking like the logic Pete Carroll used when he was asked about it saying, well, we're picking in the twenties. And so to get a guy like Jamal Adams in the draft, not only do we have to use our first round pick, we have to use a future first round pick and another, and another player. So at that point, you were literally looking at the same compensation. Now you've got a proven commodity as opposed to a guy that you're hoping will end up being that guy. Yeah. I think the Seahawks are being unfairly ravaged on this trade. Like I, I think it'll work out better for Seattle, especially in the short term. I mean, obviously. No, it, it, it'll work out for both. I really do feel like this is one that we have to pick a winner because that's where our society is, but it works both ways. Yeah. Winners right now. I know. You know, I'm not going to go there. Um, okay. So Alex Smith. What do you think about his comeback? Dude, it's a miracle. I mean, it honestly is an incredible story. Uh, all jokes aside, I mean, Washington needs this right now, right? Their organization's been through a lot. They need they could use some positive news. Yeah. Um, and, and, and look, honestly, this is the best thing for Dwayne Askins. Like, I, I know Ron Rivera said, look, if he's healthy, you know, he's a part of the equation, of course. But the future is Dwayne Haskins. Dan Snyder was a part of drafting him. I know Ron Rivera wasn't, the front office wasn't, but um, he's the guy. You got to see what you have in him. I just think Alex Smith being around, whether they're competing or just him being there every day is awesome. And it's going to be good for Dwayne and he'll grow from it and he'll get better from it. So um, look, whether, whether or not he even can get off the pup and get on the active roster and all that, like what he's done already so far is a miracle and, and he should feel good about it. And, and, and people within the Washington organization, all those who have helped him should, should feel good about it. All right. And uh, lastly, because you have to go see your children. And I had, actually had to go feed my son a pizza. He's, there's a decent change. He said, where's my pizza? Um, or he tackles you. He might tackle me. Who knows? He runs out. He yeah. knows as soon as he, he comes to the stairs and yells. And if he doesn't hear me talking, because like if the, the guest is talking or like I'm being quiet on the show, he'll walk over to the top and he'll see me and be like, dad, pizza. No. Um, Aaron Rodgers was on Kyle Brandt's The Ringer podcast because we need more middle-aged white dudes with pie. No, I'm just kidding. Kyle's a, Kyle's a friend of the show, and uh, we don't really need a good-looking dude. He's so talented. He is very I, I, love, I love watching everything he does. Yeah, uh, I love Kyle. I've known Kyle. Kyle and, uh, Kyle and I are the same age, and I think our sons, our oldest, he has, he has a couple of kids, but his oldest son is like yeah, – the- the Born biggest a, difference is he was on a, he was, he was like a soap opera model star and he's, you know, and, and then there's you. So. I was just saying tough. He's in college. Right. That's right. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was on with Kyle on, um, whatever state, whatever show is. Anyway, he does his 10 question game show. 10 questions with Kyle Brandt. That's what it is. I think that's, and he was asked about the, uh, the split. Like what's going to happen with, 
you know, will they move on from Aaron Rodgers or will they sit their first round pick? He said, I think that's probably what happens, you know, based on the circumstances around everything. Just look at the facts. They traded up. They drafted him. Obviously they like him. They want to play him. And I get it. I really do. I don't harbor any will about it. Like, was I bummed out? Of course. Who wouldn't be? I wanted to play my entire career in Green Bay. I love the city. I grew up there. But look, I get it. I see it completely clearly. And I'm not bitter about it. It just kind of is what it is. What do you make of – I mean, because Rodgers has been frank and open and honest about this whole thing, and he's clearly disappointed, but he's not hes not afraid to let people know that. No, which is uh, drastically different than Brett Favre, right? You I know, and that's to act that way. Though. Like, <clears throat> he, can't, he can't act like Favre. No, no, no. I mean, look, they're both being genuine to who they are. But I just think it's, for Packers fans, a big transition because you're watching this unfold – like how it did with Brett and Aaron, where like Brett was maybe more behind the scenes or just quiet altogether, silent altogether. And Aaron, who, who was that guy, who was Jordan Love, is now going through it, but he handles it entirely different. You know, he'd rather be just thoughtful and honest and, and not put out there anything that, you know, would come back to bite him. And so the reality is uh, this is Trump's final year in Green Bay. And you know, it's tough because Devin Funches has now opted out. He was a potential option they had, a wide receiver, you know, other, uh, you know, aside from Devontae Adams. And obviously they didn't do much in the draft to help him. Uh, and so it, it, it becomes even more difficult where in a year where you thought they'd be loading up to get the best out of him and also prepare for the future, they do, they do nothing about it. They just draft his replacement. Um, and so it's just kind of odd considering how close they were to play, play in the NFC Championship game and maybe play in a Super Bowl, and instead they acted like they were rebuilding. And so that, to me, is what's baffling on the outside. And honestly, I think this is a decision where, you know, who knows what's going to happen this year for Aaron in Green Bay. He'll probably be playing somewhere else after this year. And I think Brian Gutenkunst is, you know, if this doesn't work out, man, he's going to be to blame for many, many years to come with how he potentially set this back. Yeah, it's interesting because Gutenkunst and – Matt LaFleur are like, if this, if this completely blows up in their face, they're sort of letting Mike McCarthy off the hook a little bit for like hundred percent on only winning one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Like all of a sudden it becomes okay. Cause it, Ted Thompson and McCarthy and uh, Mike Sherman, I guess never got lit up for letting Brett Favre go while only winning one Super Bowl or only winning one Super Bowl with Brett Favre because you replace him with Aaron Rodgers, you know? And so it's like, all right, well, well, you can't be that mad. I mean, but now it's like if, if it doesn't work out and Jordan Love bombs, whoo, dangerous. And it's not even so much Jordan Love. It's just the way you're going about doing it. Like while everyone is getting more speed, like look at what Denver did, getting more speed, getting more play and talent on the outside to match up with like a Kansas City within your division. Yep. Like Green Bay is like, no, we need to run the football. Let's get a 255, 60-pound running back. Let's – Let's get a guy who can play more of like a hybrid fullback, extra, you know, off the ball tight end look. And you're going, wait, what? You're not getting any wide receivers? Like you're just going to let Devontae Adams be double covered every single time? You really I mean, like, like Alan Lazard, huh? You really like yeah. him that much? Well, or Marcus Valdez Scantling. And, and you can sell me on the theory of, well, we want to give them another year. We really feel like they're developing. How? You have out, you know, there's no offseason. How yeah. are any of these guys going to develop? So, so where do you stand with Green Bay this year then? Well, I still think they're the best in that division because of Aaron. And I still think if you look at um, the top NFC teams, it's Green Bay, it's New Orleans, Tampa, it's San Francisco, Seattle. And then you're kind of saying, all right, like, who are we looking at 
in the NFC East. Are we really buying Dallas or Philly? Like Philly had a lot of, they added a lot to the roster. There's a lot of things that they, I think they need to go right. Um, but th- those are their two teams. So like, that's the mix of teams we're talking about. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, who have a legitimate shot of going to the playoffs and, and winning a Super Bowl, or at least getting to a Super Bowl. And that's what's disappointing is that they had a chance to add to what they had and instead sort of kept their ceiling feels like pretty, pretty much the same. Well, I guess I'd look at it this way. You lost to San Francisco almost the exact same way both times last season, right? And so instead of trying, like, instead of trying to counter them and saying, okay, let's, let's do what Denver did. Let's do what Philly did. Let's draft a freaking wide receiver. Let's, let's sign some wide receivers. Let's load up with speed. And, and so we can put up so many points on the or board. Force, force that, just go to get out of their base defense so they can't just like blitzkrieg you with pass rushers. I mean, some way. It's, it's, so forget that for, for, for that matter, right? Just be able to put up so many points that you overwhelm San Francisco where like now Jimmy Garoppolo can't have a balanced attack. Now, now they can't run the football. They, they have to be in shotgun the whole time. Like now you stress their offense because he looks across the field and goes, Oh, I have to take that guy on. If you want to play a slugfest with San Francisco, good luck. You're playing into their hand. Yeah. It looks like that's what they're doing. They're trying to mimic what San Francisco is doing. It's like, you don't win that way. You win how Kansas City did, where, yeah, you might stink for three quarters, but when you have a special quarterback and special talent like Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, dude, you, you give them all these weapons where you can come back at the end of a game like that, score quickly, and make some big plays. The game is set up for that. You know, for that. Yeah. It's not set up to pound away, control the clock, and run the football. Also, you're, you're Matt LaFleur. You're, you, you're, you, Kyle Shanahan's your mentor. You think you're going to outsmart him? Like, what are you, like, what are you going to, like, you're going to beat him at his own game? No, like, your offense is creative, but it's not like his. I mean, it's, it's not going to work. All right. Um, it's a fun chat, Brady. Yeah, I I missed it, man. Thanks for having me on. I I have too. Uh, I will make sure and, uh, crack a toughie for you. Yes. You should shotgun one. I wouldn't crack it. I would shotgun it. I'll crack it on the, on the side then with a key. I'll crack it with a key on the side and shotgun it. Uh, thanks as always, buddy. Good talking to you. Good talking to you, buddy. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.